We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, the co-host, my partner in crowd tonight, Tommy Avant. It is the midweek podcast. Sorry we weren't here this last weekend. I didn't have a voice. And Tommy was having a good old time, apparently trying to host a post-game show. How'd that work out? It could have went better, let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure got to him. The pressure got to him. The funny thing about that show, folks, and I got, I got a couple emails about it, is they 
totally, totally were just trying to get the thing to hit social media. And then they couldn't get to go. They're, they're texting me, trying to get a hold of me. And uh, I was asleep. I was counting sheep. And then Mark had to wake me up. I'm very sad now. Very sad indeed. And here we are again. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? We're here now. On the show today, we have Mo Egger from ESPN Cincinnati, giving us a little bit of a preview of the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm sure you guys are going to love hearing about the 0-7 Bengals. There's a lot of issues there, but we'll talk about some Zach Taylor, and of course, we have some questions for Tommy here about this matchup and what he also saw last weekend, so getting right into it. Tommy, how you doing, man? I'm great. Last week, we obviously had a get-right game. Um, I believe, obviously, it had a lot to do with the week leading up to the game, Um with all the trades that we made, it shows the, in my opinion, it shows the fans when things aren't going well that the front office and coaching staff is willing to go out there and put their neck on the line and make some moves to get us in the right direction, knowing how good of a team we are and how good of a team we can be. And they did exactly that. They were nonstop trading left and right. I mean, it was unreal how many moves we made in one week, right? The crazy thing about that is the idea that Jalen Ramsey won't fix the Rams. Can you see, remember, I I saw so many different commentators talking about that. And, well, they're right to a degree, but the reality was this. He sure did a lot to help fix the Rams. Just adding that guy. Yeah, look at morale alone. What, what that did for the team, just like I said right now, what it did for the fans, it did the same thing for the guys in the locker room. You agree? It, I'm sure it did. It, and you could tell they had all the bouncer step. The defense itself was just it was dominant. And the Falcons, it's not their offense that's the problem, by the way. It's their defense that's the problem. And the Rams' defense shut down Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, all of them, and made them look like a Bush League offense, quite frankly. So... My contention last week was Jalen Ramsey will help that pass rush. He will stay on guys to the point where guys who weren't getting sacks before, weren't getting close before, we will finish the job now. That's what we saw. So, yeah, he fixes a whole lot. I'm not sure if you saw the same thing I saw. Yeah, I mean, when I used to play, one of my best friends was uh, our starting defensive end, and he used to tell us in the huddle, guys, just give me three seconds. That's all I need in the secondary. Just give me three seconds and I got you. I'm like, we got you, bro. Don't even worry about it. Like that type of communication is all you need. And I'm sure Aaron Donald's out there telling his teammates the same thing. And and Dante Fowler and all the other guys, give me three seconds. That's all I need. And that's what they did. They gave him three seconds almost every single play. Then some other observations from the game too. Offensively, much better game. A couple things that made me shake my head a little bit. But before we get there. We did want to just let you know this this episode is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood's Team. Also remind you that we're available, available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Apple Music. We still have that contest. We are not done with that contest, folks. It's still there. This is the one where you go to our Apple Music page, leave a five-star review. The one lucky winner, once we get the 200 five-star reviews, will get a personalized Rams jersey, hopefully Rams jersey, from NFLShop.com. All you got to do is send us an email at ramstop1945 with a screenshot of your review. That's all you got to do. And, of course, your name and information. 
and we'll also read your feedback on the show. I think we have some feedback to read, but tonight we want to keep this short and sweet. Uh, the schedule changed drastically in the last 20 days, so need to try and catch up. But there you go. Don't forget our shows, Ramp Uncensored, Rampage Radio, Butting Heads. We, uh, we got it all. We got it all. So offensively, I thought our new guard did a great job, Mr. Edwards. Did a solid job stepping in. I'm concerned, though, about Mr. Blythe. Uh, you remember that? Did you see the film in the play where he was pulling out left and just kind of gave up on his block and Todd got drilled? Yes, I saw that a lot, not just in this game, but all season long. His effort is the problem. He is a completely different human being, and I don't know what's going on with him. I don't want to attack him too much because maybe he has something going on in his personal life that doesn't have his head screwed on straight. It could be a a myriad of things, right? But I see the body language of a guy who doesn't want to be there. It's it's apparent, and if you're not watching that, you should, because it's disturbing. It's not that he's getting physically beat. He's just not trying. I'm wondering if that ankle injury isn't quite right yet, and he's just not confident in his own body right now. That's right, because he came back a lot quicker than most of us thought he'd come back, quite frankly. Yeah, he just the shoulders, the, the body language to me, I've been paying close attention to him because... As a fan, being a fan of the game and playing, you know, you got to, I don't know, like I was telling you before, I, I teach my wife the game constantly because it's constantly evolving. And it's, you know, even after seven years, she's still learning. So what we do is we do the position where I, I, I point out players and I say, just watch this guy, just watch that guy. And that's how I've kind of evolved my fandom when I'm watching the game because I've watched so many games. Usually the average fan follows the ball, right? with their eyes wherever the ball goes that's where their eyes go when they're watching it on tv when i watch the game now i pick and choose where we're struggling and i stare at those guys and what i'm trying to look for is why it's happening are they physically getting dominated or they is their effort not there what what is the problem is it something with their psychological behavior, who knows, you know, but I, I, I tend to stare at that a lot, and I really have been focused on Blythe um, the last, you know, handful of games, and I'm seeing a guy that doesn't want to be there. With Brian, the center, I'm seeing a guy who just doesn't know everything he's doing yet, and that's where I see he, him struggling, but with Blythe, it looks like he's just not, like he doesn't want to be there. It's frustrating. I think Brian Allen's going to be fine. It's just going to be time with him. I think he'll be yeah. just fine. With Blythe, I'm wondering in terms of what has happened to you, dude, because last year you were a different player. I know you got beat a couple times last year late, but you were still a better player, a different player than you are right now. Is it, is it the ankle? Is it in your head? Are you feeling pressure from you know the coaching staff? Where are you right now, dude? And the Rams are going to struggle going to – a large portion of their playbook if they can't get the right side of that line taken care of. We tend to say, well, the Rams haven't adjusted to the 6-1 defense that people are putting against them last year into this year. No, they've adjusted. They just can't execute because the offensive line has been subpar for much of the year. And here you, have, you think you have your solution at the left guard there. I think Brian Allen will continue to slowly get it. I really believe that, that he's got enough of that of that thinking in him, 
that he'll be fine. It's just that's experience. Center, playing center is hard. But that right guard position for the Rams is going to be a problem all year unless Blythe figures it, figures it out. They don't have much else. It, no, it technically doesn't have to be because you don't have to play him. Okay, That's the coach's choice. So if he continues to struggle, I say this. If he starts this game, win, lose, or draw, and we're going to win big. But it, w- whether we win, I don't care if we win by 30. If he plays bad, he goes to the bench. We have a bye week, and Austin Corbett comes yeah. in against yeah. the Steelers. And that thought he already knows the too. Steelers. He already knows the Steelers. He came from the Browns. It, it can't get any worse, right? Put him in there. Switch him out. Look at look at what happened last game. You know, no bloom unfortunately went down, right? But next man up, look how well that that young man played, right? And that's why there's some good signs there. That that's yeah. hasn't that has some hope that come the next time the Rams play the 49ers, it will it might be a different outcome. If I was the coach, I would hold his feet to the fire this week, you know, and I would say, listen, this is your last chance, son. You better get out there this Sunday and show me something or you're going to the bench. I'm not playing with you. I would tell him that straight to his face. Get it done, kid, or you're going to bench. And it's it. got to happen. Gotta, you got to hold these kids' feet to the fire, man. You can't coddle them, dude. Absolutely. So other players, though, who were young and did impress you the last time out, who were they? Henderson, man. That's that's right off the bat. The kid, his bursts, his his vision is getting better, um, and his speed is unmatched. I mean, only Brita from the 49ers has that type of burst, and I'm so impressed with him. And obviously, we've you know, it's funny because fans have been banging the door down to let the kid from Oklahoma Oboe get a chance to play, and he finally got a chance to play. And man, did he look good! Yeah, Oboe finally. Like, where has he been the last? I don't know, year and a half. He's kind of he's been under- well, he's been injured, and when you you know, if you're down on the depth chart, you're down on the depth chart. We have a good defense. It's not like he was going to go out there and, and take the job from one of those guys, especially last year. You know what I mean? Uh, Fowler and and uh, and Ibukam were playing good last year, and and Obo was hurt. Now that he's healthy, he's he's sitting behind you know Fowler and Clay Matthews. There's he wasn't going to play because of. The depth chart, but you know, Clay getting hurt now, he's feeling better getting in there, finally getting some snaps. Boy, does he look good! And you know, who he reminds me of as far as physical stature because he has really, really long arms is Khalil Mack. And when you have that, those that length at arms, you can really do a great job getting your hands on the ball, batting balls down. Um, getting in passing lanes and just getting getting after it. When when you go up against offensive linemen with short arms, you have a complete advantage over those guys. I liked his movement off the edge, just that speed he was to cross the field and get that pursuit. That mm-hmm. made that makes a huge difference, especially when the Falcons are trying to run wide. And I really really liked what the Rams did using him in that last game. Did much. And Ramsey, go back to Ramsey. He made that. He makes it happen. By the way, mm-hmm. there's so many things that start with him. The Rams just weren't be able to do just two weeks ago. And that's not to me. It's not a dig on Marcus Peters. By the way, they just needed a, a true blue cover guy as that primary corner. When you play the style of defense that Wade Phillips plays, you need a guy. You need corners that can play man because that's the style of defense that he runs. It's not. He's not a zone guy. The only reason. Wade Phillips ever even ran zone was because Marcus Peters was on our team. Okay, now that he's not, you won't see much of it. Thank goodness. I mean, go back to the Fisher days. 
we hated that soft zone coverage crap. And I've how many times? It. Yeah, how many times have we seen it burn the Rams this year trying to pull it off? All the time. Seriously. I mean, zone. You can't. You can like I've I've said it a million times. If, if you want to play zone, you have to have everyone in the secondary has to be really cerebral. And a lot of people in the secondary are not the sharpest tools in the shed. So you know when the when the Bucks ran the cover two, the Levy Smith defense back in the day, their secondary was sharp. They had a lot of smart high IQ guys, right? They were able to pull that off. You know, even their linebackers were sharp. So, you know, it's 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 a difficult defense to run because you have to be smart where when you play in a man defense, you just have to be good, right? So, what are you trying to say about our defensive backfield? Oh, I was trying to say <laughs> that some of them aren't very smart. It's well, obvious some- because you do it's not easy to be at the right place at the right time when re- wide receivers are running free. You're giving them a huge advantage and a huge head start when they're running full speed and you got to turn and you got to break and now catch up to whatever miles per hour they're running. Ball's already there, dude. It's too late. Now you're just tackling guys. Well, it just right? depends. You know, there's a there's a muscle memory and athleticism kind of intelligence where you're, that's an instinct. Your body just know you just know where to go. And then there's the Brainiacs out there, the John Lynches of the world, and those guys are the ones who are the ones who figure everything out across the board. And you can't have, if you want to play zone, you can't have a bunch of guys who are instinctual because they're not big thinkers. They're just they 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 know where to go. Bam, that's my guy. I know which angle to take. I know which, how, how fast to go. I know where to be. And so it's just a totally different kind of style of defense across the board. And when you know we have Marcus Peters back there, he was he he was an instinct guy. He was a ball hawk. He knew where the football was going to be, but he didn't always know where the player was going to be. So if you're going to try and man a zone, you're going to have to have coverage to help back behind him because he was going for the football. Mm-hmm. And that's not the kind of defense that the Rams really, to me, are fit to run. And they're, if you're not tapping, if you're not tapping your safeties and telling them what you're going to do pre-snap. They're not going to know, and that's why a lot of those you know, touchdowns you saw over the top where Marcus Peters is chasing him down and it looks like he got burnt, he didn't get burnt. He just had to do somebody else's job. But it's his fault for not communicating, right? Well, they all need fault. to communicate Maybe better. Talking, so they're not, they're not talking. Yeah. That, was what blew me, that was what blew my mind about last year with LaMarcus Joyner back there, a guy who was at that time the Rams franchise safety sitting back there, and they should have been better than they were. I, I remember talking about entering last season that was probably the most talented secondary I'd seen position by position and with Tlaib and Peters and, and Joyner and Johnson Roby Coleman at the, the slot but yet they didn't play like it much of the time no, well, the, especially when Tlaib went weak, down because the weak link was Joyner because first of all Joyner's a corner he played corner he wasn't a safety they moved him to safety and he's not a sharp dude and it's showing in on the Raiders, too, by the way. I mean, so there you go. That, there's the thoughts on that. All right, folks, it is time for us to get in with the Bengals a little bit. Before we do, we want to talk about our sponsor, Jim Hawk. He's done a great job um, just being a part of our lives over here. It's been, it's been a blessing in terms of the support he's given us, both wisdom-wise. And and his book is amazing. If you like Rams history, 
his book, Hall Was Seen Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, is the book to read. I promise you, it's a great one. It really gets knee-deep into this era of the 1950s where the Rams were taking their place in L.A., just as Hollywood was really, really, really getting hot. You know, Marilyn Monroe's getting in there, and you name it, Jane Russell. So, this though is about this story through the lens of Jim's dad, John. He was offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. This story covers players like Norman Van Brocklin, Elroy Cresley's Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. All of it spanned the story of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. If you'd like to find the book, you can find it online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's filled both in hardback, electronic form, at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And also, don't forget to look through other various geez, booksellers on the internet. Folks, it's Rams history. It's good stuff. And if you're wondering about this team before the years of Jim Everett and Vince Ferragamo, it's worth the read. Trust me, check it out. Hall of Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Okay, so the Bengals. Here we go. The Cincinnati Bengals. Here's our interview with Mo Egger from ESPN Cincinnati WLW 700. Check it out. All right, folks, I'm here with Mo Egger from, well, WLW 700 in Cincinnati, ESPN Cincinnati. He's been the man on a mission for quite a long time, on our show a couple times as well. Mo, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. What's going on? Well, I got to tell you, I'm getting over a cold, so just <laughs> thanks so much for bearing with me on this <laughs> one. It's been a rough trying to talk out of this microphone, but we're here to talk Bengals, Bengals, Rams in London, and... When I last talked to you, you expressed some concerns about Zach Taylor, what kind of coaching staff they're putting together down there, but you also noted changes probably needed. So where are the Bengals right now? <laughs> uh, trending toward a historically poor finish um, with a final nine games where I think you have to assume they're going to lose at least six of them. Um, possibly a week 16 game where they play the equally winless Dolphins and uh, heading toward a draft where they have one of the first picks and have to decide which quarterback, either decide which quarterback they want to take or take the quarterback that falls to them and figure out a way to build a team around him. Is it really about a quarterback right now for the Bengals? I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear the question. I'm saying, is it... A- Really about a quarterback right now for the Bengals? Well, is is that the the beginning and the end of their problems? No, <clears throat> this team has issues all over the place. They, you know, you and I talked about it in the off season. They had the worst defense in the NFL last year and basically left it go untouched. Their offensive line is a disaster. Um, you you can really not point to an area on this team and find a spot where they don't need to make some changes, but. You know, number one, Andy Dalton's deal is up at the end of next year. He, he, he's limited. He, he's got limitations. We, we know what they are. Um, in order to win with him, you have to basically surround him with a team that has no holes. The Bengals aren't doing that next year. And so at the end of next year, what do you do? You're going to move on from Andy Dalton or you're going to pay him a lot of money, um, given where they're going to be drafting and given how you know good – uh, this quarterback class is supposed to be. And and given the value, you know, Rams fans know this, given the value mm-hmm. you have when you have a quarterback under a rookie contract, 
it just makes all the sense in the world to move on from Andy Dalton. Now, I don't know that that means that he's not going to be on the team next year, um, because I, I do think there's some some merit to the idea that Andy would bring somebody along. But yeah, I, I think that's where they're going now. If if, uh, if if the idea is well, we draft Andy and or we draft a new quarterback to replace Andy, and we really don't change our organizational philosophies. Uh, we don't improve the roster elsewhere. We're not more aggressive in free agency. Uh, we, we don't take a different approach with how we build our defense, then uh, the, the new guy is, is only going to go so far. But, yeah, that's, that's where this franchise is right now. They've made the coaching change. I don't really think Zach Taylor is in jeopardy of not coming back next season. And so the next thing is, you know, kind of find the quarterback that's going to lead this team into the next decade and that you can, you know, maybe figure out a way to build around. So let's evaluate Zach Taylor here for a moment. Going from the Rams to the Bengals, I expressed some doubts about him. You seem to confirm some of those doubts when we talked last. How do you evaluate him right now, and are you seeing progress with this team at this, at this point? Uh, they're 0-7, so it's hard to say he's doing a good job. I, I, I don't know that if you took 30 of the other 31 NFL head coaches that, that this team would be significantly better. Um, he didn't walk into a situation where the Bengals had a good roster and once they hired him, they didn't do anything to really upgrade the roster. So, so start with that. I do wonder though, if, if maybe just with the inexperience that he has and the overall inexperience on the staff, if this season, um, he's bitten off a little bit more than he can chew. Being a head coach is hard. Um, being a 36 year old first time head coach is really hard being a 36 year old first time head coach who's also calling offensive plays is really really hard and then being a 36 year old first time head coach who doesn't have anybody else on his staff who's been a head coach before that has a first time defensive coordinator a first time offensive coordinator you're calling your own plays the owner and the guy in charge of personnel are never made public so you have to do all the speaking on behalf of the franchise and then you've had a ton of injury situations. That's, that's just, to me, just too much to ask anybody uh, to deal with. And so I think publicly he's handled it well. The team has not quit on him by any stretch. I don't think anybody who's watched the Bengals this year would, would say, boy, it looks like they've checked out. I, I, I do think you can worry about that here you know, over the second half of the season. This has not been a matter of effort. It is. It has looked like it's not been a matter of focus. It's a matter of the team not being all that good. Now, if you if you do a deep dive into some of the games, I think the overall offensive philosophies have have seemed flawed. Um, for for example, for me, if you suffer injuries to two of your top three wide receivers, logic to me would dictate you're not going to use as many wide receivers. Where you're not compromised from a, an injury standpoint is running back you would play two running backs the Bengals still insist on 11 personnel three wide receivers they use one of their two running backs that doesn't make a lot of sense to me um but they're still on a, on a macro level they're they're scheming behind a terrible offensive line they're trying to make up for deficiencies on an awful defense they're playing without their best offensive player in aj green and they have a quarterback who's just not that good Again, I don't know when when you roll all that up together that there's many head coaches that would succeed. I just there's a part of me that wonders if if maybe they would be in a little bit better shape 
if they had someone who could take some of that responsibility off Zach Taylor, maybe somebody on the staff, a la like a Wade Phillips for Sean McVay, that had been a head coach before. Or that you could say, look, the defense is yours. I don't have to worry about it. Or they bring in a guy who's called plays in the NFL before, and he handles the offense. I I think all of that is is a good good discussion to have. But I I would stop short of saying that he's doing a bad job just because I don't think anybody in the set of circumstances that he's had to coach within would be really doing a good job. Uh, Just out of curiosity, we've seen a lot of – really, really bad Bengals teams over the years. Where does this one rank in your mind? I think if they were fully healthy, I think this is still a bad team. I think this is, you know, maybe at most a six-win team. You know, you got to remember, the 90s saw some of the worst NFL Mm -hmm. teams. um, The Bengals field some of the worst teams the NFL has ever seen. So uh, you have to roll those into the conversation, and you have to roll the 2002 team, which was the year before Marvin Lewis got here. They went 2-14 and that season. Um, But the 2002 team, you know, they had at least just drafted Chad Johnson and T.J. Hushmanzada and Rudy Johnson and Justin Smith. And, I mean, they they had just drafted some guys that you thought, okay, uh, get a quarterback around them, uh, get them somebody who knows what they're doing on the sideline, and you might have something here. Uh, those teams in the 90s were lost causes. I, I think, though, when you, when you look at this team, what, what certainly puts them in the conversation as being the worst ever. And for me almost easily has them as the worst ever. We had this conversation on the radio. I don't know that you could find three players on this team that you would say, you know what, let's build around them. Um, and this is the conversation we used to have every year about the Bengals, and we would say, all right, name, name the five guys that are kind of the, 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 the foundational pieces of the franchise. We limited the discussion to three, and I can only come up with two, and one of them hasn't played because he's been hurt all year, Jonah Williams, their first-round pick. So to me, it, this is a team that could be in the conversation to be the worst Bengals team of all time just because I, I have a feeling it may get worse before it get better. I think there's a chance, and certainly on the table, that they go 0-16. And I don't really think you could see the, the seeds of what's next on this current roster. So... um I'd have to do a deeper dive into some of those teams they had in the 90s. I think 98 and 99, they went 4-12 and 12 and 3-13 and 13 back-to-back years. Uh, the, the 94 team, they started 0-8. Uh, Jeff Blake became the quarterback uh, week 8, and they, they salvaged uh, a couple of wins there. They started uh, 0-8, I think, in 1991, and they were 1-11 and at one point. But it, it, this, to me, feels... Worse, and I think the main reason is, you know, it's it's not like the Miami Dolphins who are tanking. The Bengals are trying to win. They they assembled a team they thought they could win with this year, and uh, here we are, seven weeks in, and they haven't won yet. What about yeah. AJ Green? Where is he at right now with his injury? Uh, I think by the time your audience hears this, maybe we'll have some degree of clarity. He obviously hasn't played this year. He got injured on the first day of training camp. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he did some work on the field, but uh, nothing overly extensive. Um, I would be really surprised if he played this week against L.A. And the reason that's interesting is the trade deadline is Tuesday. 
the the Bengals do not have him under contract beyond the season, and so it's a really interesting dynamic because. You know, they've got some guys that I think could maybe get them some value in a trade. I think Tyler Eifert, their tight end, could get them something back. Um, some of their other players still have years left on their deals that I'm not sure a lot of teams would be that interested in picking up. But, you know, A.J., there's there's no guarantee he's going to be here next year, and so you kind of roll the dice. Um, the Bengals have gone on record. Zach Taylor has gone on record as saying that he's not going to be traded. Um, and on, on many levels, that's fine. Uh, he's going to be 32 years old next year. He has extensive injury history, but but A.J. Green's a pro's pro. If you are going to have uh, a rookie quarterback next year, there are far worse things than a guy like A.J. Green for, for that QB to work with his, his first couple of seasons. At the same time, um, are, are you really going to pay big money to a 32-year-old wide receiver who is probably not going to be anywhere close to his prime by the time this team is ready to compete again, whenever that is, and if you can get, um, you know, first or second round value for him, I don't know how you don't make the deal. But, you know, if I'm New England, they made a trade for Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu is not as good a player as A.J. Green, but he's healthy. He's playing. He's active. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no ambiguity about his availability. Uh, same for Emmanuel Sanders, who got dealt by Denver to San Francisco. They're not as good of a player as A.J., but available. Um, you're not wondering what the status of his foot is. Is he going to play this season? So, and, and then if you're the Bengals and you kind of hang on to him next Tuesday, you know, at any point, AJ green could decide I'm not going to re up and you basically don't get that much for him in return besides a compensatory pick. So, you know, that's going to be worth following, but in, in terms of, you know, his impact on the season this year, they have clearly missed him. There's no denying that. Um, and I, 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 but I, I, you know, your guess is as good as mine because we've kind of done this song and dance all year long of, is AJ going to practice this week? How long is it going to be? Is he going to come back before the deadline? How does he feel? Is it worth playing him at all after the deadline? All that kind of stuff. I think now the major question has less to do with when is he going to play and more to do with, is he going to sign here long-term? I mean, if I'm honest and I'm on the Bengals side here, I'd say <clears throat> trade them all. Anybody you can get something for. Yes. You're 0-7. You are going nowhere. Um, you are going to restart with a quarterback next season. At least we all think they will. Um, you know, I don't know how many players they have that anybody would really want. But, yeah, when, 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 you, when you look at this roster, how many guys are you dying to keep? You know, I mean, even players that we thought, you know, might ultimately be cornerstones of, you know, kind of what's next for the Bengals, like William Jackson. Um, you know, he's kind of underperformed. I'm not really sure that he is the foundational piece that we thought he was going to be. Joe Mixon, you can kind of say the same thing about, yeah, this is a franchise. You know, you got to remember the way the Bengals do things. They're, they're kind of the antithesis of the Rams who are aggressive and uh, forward thinking and they make trades and they sign guys in free agency and uh, the Bengals don't do any of that. And so it puts the onus on the draft and the only way you rebuild through the draft, in my opinion, is accumulate as many assets as possible and the only way you do that is by flipping established players to teams who could use them i don't know that the Bengals are going to be willing to do that this has uh, never been a very trade happy franchise but um you know again if 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 you're going to sideswipe free agency and you're not going anywhere this year i don't know how a rebuild works without you getting you know draft capital in return for the guys you have right now i mean if you're going to tank you might as well tank the right way I mean, they're, yeah. I know you're saying they're not taking, uh, but... Uh, 
the, yeah, and 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 therein lies, you know, kind of the issue is um, they they don't like the insinuation that you shouldn't be doing everything you can to win. At the same time, this franchise doesn't go out of its way to win. So you're kind of in a tough spot. You, you can't, you know, there to me is you look around the league and you see teams. I mean, you know, the Rams did it with Jalen Ramsey. It may or may not work, but you can clearly see the direction they're going in. They're trying to win the Super Bowl right now. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm sure it was very difficult to trade him, but you could clearly see the direction they're going in, at least in terms of the maneuvers they're making. They're loading up uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, tanking, I, there's no guarantee that it's going to work, but you can see the direction they're going in from a – from an organizational standpoint, it's really hard to articulate what the plan is. Now, they've been so bad this year, and the quarterback class is so highly regarded that it's, it's almost, again, impossible to think that they won't take a quarterback. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, at some point you have to go in one direction or the other. We are definitively trying to win now, or we are definitively building for the future. And right now, the Bengals appear to be doing neither. Well, let's look at this game this weekend here. The Rams coming off a big win. They needed it. They've been struggling, especially at the offensive line. And uh, now they have a Bengals team that's 0-7. How do you gauge this matchup for the Bengals? Is there a shot for them to beat the Rams at this point, or are you just thinking, pack it up? If uh, the plane the Rams take from Atlanta to London lands in London, they'll win the football game. There, there is, there is no way, and I know the travel screws things up, and I know these games in London are weird. The Bengals played in one in 2016; it was a tie game. I know these games are are weird. Um, to me, though, that that widens the gap, you know, between these two franchises. You're you're throwing everything that you could conceivably throw at an inexperienced coaching staff, and now you're making them go to London. Um, <laughs> I, I this team go up and down. The, the offensive line is terrible. Uh, the running game is non-existent. They are on pace to have the worst rushing attack in the NFL since World War II. Easily the worst in the uh, 16-game season era. Their defense, they get no consistent pass rush to speak of. Their linebackers are painfully slow. Their Their guys in the secondary make no plays whatsoever. They don't have their best wide receiver. They don't have their third best wide receiver. They get no production from tight end. Um, their best defensive players on the line have been non-existent. Carlos Dunlap has been hurt. Carl Lawson has been hurt. Geno Atkins is a player in decline. Andy Dalton is limited. I, I mean, this is, I don't know how, I don't know where you can find an edge for the Bengals against anybody right now, but in particular, a team, and I know the Rams have obviously, you know, before last week, really came in struggling. I don't know where you can where you can point to the Bengals having an edge. So if again, if if the plane lands in Spain because of a pilot error, then the Bengals got a shot. If the Rams make the trip successfully, um, the Bengals are going to come home zero and eight. So should I even ask for a score prediction here? Just leave it at that. You know, I, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's thirteen points. I you know NFL games on a neutral field with the travel thrown in. You know, the, the Bengals have they they've managed to from a gambling standpoint they they've managed to cover. Now those numbers have been pretty big that they've covered. They did not cover this week against Jacksonville, even though they had a lead in the fourth quarter. 
Um, I, I, I kind of tend to think it's going to be two touchdowns. I'll go, I don't know, 20, 24 to 10, something in that ballpark. Um, you know, not, not a clear blowout, but not a game that you ever think the Bengals can actually win either. All right, Mo, thanks so much for taking the time on a late, late night interview. Can you tell folks where they can find all of your work? Uh, at MoEgger1530 on Twitter or ESPN1530.com slash Mo or at uh, theathletic.com slash Cincinnati. Oh, that's right. You, you're at the Athletic now. Nah, I'm all over the place. Wow. A lot yeah, of jobs. You, you always seem to be. So thanks, as always, for, for talking with us. And I'm hoping for at least some entertainment this weekend. Uh, the Rams are often entertaining, so I don't think you'll be disappointed. <laughs> Well, enjoy London. Thanks so much. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks. All right, Tommy. What are your thoughts on this one? Oh, man. It's like going back in time. I mean, when's the last time the Cincinnati Bengals were the Cincinnati Bungles? It's been a while, right? Well, last year. (laughs) What were they last last year? What was their year, record man. last year? I, I don't pay attention to them. So. Well, you live in that's Ohio. the problem. Well, <laughs> I pay attention to the Browns beating them twice last year. That's what yeah. I pay attention to. You know, the, the Bengals, to me, I used to live in Cincinnati. That's how I got to know a little bit of Mo Egger's work. That's why I was quick to try and get him on the, on the show, because he's among my favorite, absolute favorite sportscasters out there. It's not even close in some cases. The guy knows his stuff. And the thing about the Bengals, it's really, if you are from Cincinnati... They're a hard team to love because they are very limited in what they'll try and do. They're a very conservative franchise in terms of for agency. They have a stadium that has ripped off the fans in Hamilton County down there. They, I mean, they've been more of a bare-bones operation in spending overall, period. But they scout really well, or they did when Marvin Lewis was there. Now you have former Rams quarterbacks coach Zach Taylor there. And it's a whole new staff, a whole bunch of young people. And I don't know what to think about this Bengals team, but I can tell you one thing. The odds are pretty good. They don't get good quick. Bengals fans are just going to be like, I got better things to do. I bet that's how it's going to go. I'm telling you. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, (laughs) it's just, it's unfortunate, man. Just I, I couldn't imagine growing up in a city like that with a team like that over the last I mean, I've been a Rams fan for 34 years, and they've moved all over, and all they're basically nomads. But Cincinnati Bengals, teams like that, they're ingrained in the community. And for them to be this historically bad has got to be such a letdown for these fans in the Midwest who just are loyal, man. Win, lose, or draw. It's just every year you're coughing up them them season ticket money knowing that a Super Bowl might never be in sight. The crazy thing about them overall is that they were decent under Marvin Lewis. They had several great seasons. There was Absolutely. one year there was one year where they probably were close to the best team in the league, if not the best team in the league, and they just man, they wet the bed in the playoffs. They just and, have horrible luck, man. That year Carson yeah. Carson Palmer, because I'm a, a SC guy, I'm from Los Angeles. When he went there, I was, you know, they had Chad Johnson and and my boy TJ Husmanzada from here. 
um, yeah, there's a lot of guys on the team that that grew up in, in you know my neighborhood and came from this part of the the country. So I would root for them. You know, when they would go to playoffs, I was rooting for them and went, man. But they have the worst luck. Like they hit Carson in the knee in the playoff game and took him out. I was just like, really, really. <laughs> They can't win. They can't catch a break. It just sucks. I feel bad for them, dude. I mean, a couple years ago, they had uh, AJ Green's prime, and you had they had a, a duo of running backs. They had this great defense. They had a, a complete package of a roster. Three good and, receivers. Yeah, I mean, they really did. They were great, and they got to the playoffs. And I don't know what it was. They they fell apart. They and can't get I, out of their own way. Guys like Vontez Burfitt getting these penalties and being a yeah. dummy at the worst part of the game. It's like, come on, man. You're letting your city down, dude. These guys have had your back forever, and you're going to do them like that? Get your head in the game, bro. Well, you know what the Bengals really messed up is, wait, is they should have, right when they're getting towards that last great set of seasons, they probably should let Marvin Lewis go because that point – He's pretty much taking you as far as you can go with him. And you need yeah. a little bit of new blood. Kind of like what the Bucks did when they let Tony Dungeon go and brought in Gruden. You know, sometimes you just need that, that person to take you over the hump. And they didn't do that. They let Marvin Lewis stay a couple of seasons too long. And now they have a complete rebuild. And I'm with Mo Egger on this. I don't see how, I don't see really right now how they can build a winner quickly, especially with this young staff that is probably is probably a bit over overmatched in terms of yeah. just building a roster right now. Zach Taylor, they're not they're not experienced. How are they going to no. get the most out of that roster? I don't see it. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday on Uncensored. We're talking about you know it, it, is the NFL going to keep raiding the Rams' prepubescent coaching staff because of Sean McVay? Right, and then we we're talking about Zach Taylor being 0 seven, and then Brian brought up, well, now the floor is in Green Bay, and they're kicking butt. And I'm like, dude, Aaron Rodgers is the coach now. Stop, okay? Those two work together. Aaron Rodgers got Mike McCarthy ran out of town because he's good enough to get in there with a young coach. They're close in age, and they're working together. Two heads are better than one, right? But let's be honest. Aaron's getting in his head and saying, man, I think we should really, I'm telling you, this is what's going on. And Matt doesn't want to rock the boat. He just got his first head coaching job. He's like, all right, that's a great idea. Let's do it. I'm telling you, that's what's going on in there, man. Well, I mean, I'll, you know, but if you've watched the Packers game this year, they don't, they've really only looked good in one game. That was the Cowboys game. They haven't yeah. looked great all year. So let's, they crushed the Raiders. All right, come on. I mean, come on. Seriously. They, they haven't looked great. Much so, matter of fact, let's no NFC team, not even the 49ers, has looked great all year. All of them, 49ers, 49ers are one dimensional. As soon as a team shuts that run down, they're toast. Yeah, and you know who it could be, it could be the Rams, believe it yep. or not. Yeah, if they can fix their offensive line. I mean, that that is to me, you can go any team in the NFC right now can go for a deep run in the playoffs. And those very same teams could, could bomb out first round. Talking about that, we were talking about that today too. I was telling Brian, I'm like, man, I, Teddy Bridgewater looks much better on that team right now than Drew Brees. And Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest of all time. I'm not knocking him one bit at all. No disrespect to him. He's the man. But he's old and his arm's looking a little tired. That kid in there is changing that team 
and they're winning because of it because he has one thing that Drew doesn't have, young wheels. And Teddy's out there running around, making plays, throwing guys open, um, play action. They, I'm more afraid of the Saints with Teddy Bridgewater in the playoffs than I am Drew Brees because Drew Brees is a pocket passer, and all you got to do is get to him, and we've proved that we can do that. Well, Drew Brees, if we look the last couple of years late in the season, he seemed to tire out. His arms seemed mm-hmm. to tire out. And I remember our one of our very first years podcasts when we had Katie Drummond on talking about how his ball was more of an interceptable ball. And I was like, really? Seriously? But watch him. It is, it's not that laser anymore. He's still a great quarterback, a wonderful quarterback. And I do not want to ever face the guy. But in terms of does he scare me like he did – 10 years ago? No. No. If you can get to him, you can get to him. Aaron Donald got to him. How'd that game turn out? Yeah, a lot of guys got to him that game, man. All you got to do is, you know, and I'm going back to even last year, um, you know, we we can get to him because he's not, you know, he ain't running from anybody. All right? And that's, I'm more afraid of mobile quarterbacks than pocket passers for our defense, to be honest with you, because, Mobile quarterbacks drive every defense crazy, man. Lamar Jackson, man. That's coming soon. Lamar, yeah, yeah. We're going to get a, a bird's eye view when we play guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. You know, there's guys out there like Deshaun Watson who can run around, and he's got a laser arm, bro. Jeez. He is good. All right. So, I mean, it is our time to make the prediction. You want to go for it? Rams, 31. Bengals, 10. I don't like this matchup for Cincinnati at all. They're 0-7, we get that, but there really isn't anything on that team that the Rams cannot handle in terms of scheming up front, the trenches, nothing. I'm going to go, this is the Rams' biggest blowout of the year thus far. I'm going to go 45-10. I think they're going to explode. I'm serious. I think this is going to be a chance for the Rams to really to really kind of air it out a bit and remind teams what they can be against a really, really bad bad Cincinnati team. If it's not 45 tenths because Sean McVay takes a foot off the gas not wanting to embarrass Zach Taylor. Yeah. I'm serious. Alright folks, before we end the show, we do want to go ahead and do one more shout out to a sponsor. Check it out. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. All right, dude. It is time for us to go. Before we go, if you like the sponsors, you can get us at ramstop1945gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. Don't forget, we're also partners with the Big Heads Podcast Network. Check out this promo. This is Brew Crime, a craft beer and true crime podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Beck. And I'm Nina. And we're your hosts. We pair a true crime story with a craft beer. That Nina will probably hate. Yeah, probably. Whatever. You can find our show on all your favorite podcast apps, and if you can't find it, contact us, and we'll try and change that. We can be found at brewcrime.com or on Twitter at brewcrime. 
on Facebook at BrewCrime. Or if you want to go to our group, it's group slash BrewCrime on Facebook or on Instagram at Pacific Beer Chat. Join us as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us and try not to giggle. All right, Tommy, before we're out of here, one last thought leading into this game this weekend. What is it? Well, I would like to say this. I do not enjoy watching the game on TV anymore solo. Being a season ticket holder for the for going, you know, in the fourth season now, my fandom has changed, right? So I've watched a couple of the games, road games this year at home by myself, and it's just not as fun as it used to be, I guess, being around all the people, tailgating and do all that stuff. So we have a lot of watch parties in Southern California. I will be at Sports Nut in Norco with the Rams Empire and my booster club. If anybody wants to come out and hang out with us, you're more than welcome. Drink some beer, have a good time, talk some ball, and watch the Rams kick some butt. And here's my final thought. I believe this will be the last time for at least at least 10 years, if not longer, the Rams will host an overseas game because next year, Inglewood opens. We're not going to see the Rams hosting any more home games in, in Mexico or in London or they talk about China. That's, that's not happening. Folks get used to it. This is it. Rams are home eight games a year minimum from this point forward. Get excited about yep. that. It's happening. And with that in mind, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me at DC Apollo. You can find Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA. You can find Rams Talk Overall at Talk Rams. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk or the group Rams Talk Room. That's, by the way, growing. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We're on Android. Pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. And we are still growing. We are even more on more atlas now as well. So for the entire Rams Talk staff, including Tommy, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. And we're out of here. We'll see you Sunday. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.